You're listening to the best of Sean Adelman. Right here, right now, Loftus Party. Blah, blah, blah. How's it going, everybody? That was That's headbanging. That's headbanging and rocking and rolling. We're going to continue to look. That's just, you know what? That's great music. It, it's just, it's not me, and I need to celebrate me. <laughs> Happy week, everybody. Happy week. Uh, Liberty Gypsy, are you over there? Are you live? I'm here. Fantastic. Guess who's on the show today? Guess who's on the show? I heard a rumor. Heard a rumor. Bananarama is here. <laughs> no. We got Andrew Clavin. We nice. got my man. Yes. Yes. And a- Andrew Clavin, uh, big, big guy uh, there over at uh, the Daily Wire and with hanging out with Ben Shapiro and the rest of that, that gang. He's a very, very, very good dude. Andrew Clavin was one of the guests on the old TV show. I call it the old TV show for reasons that are my own. Uh, the flip side, and I forgot, uh, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. Uh, there's an essay by C.S. Lewis, the author uh, of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's C.S. Lewis. There's an essay uh, by him about what the meaning of life is and what ultimately matters. And Clavin turned me on to that essay uh, it's one of the best things ever. So I'm delighted that Clavin is going to be here. I'm delighted that you're here. I'm delighted I got a chance to channel Sean Hannity at the beginning of the show. I want to jump right in. We got to we got to talk about the uh, the the 600 pound gorilla in the room. We got to talk about Kavanaugh and Doctor Blase Blase for day. It's okay. happening. Going down. It's, it's all happening. happening. I am so mad at Senator Grassley and McConnell right now. Okay, this is good. This is good. We're gonna go. We're gonna go with emotions because that's what all this is about. It's all pure emotion. This is not about fact. This is about emotion. Why are you mad at uh, at Grassley? Because they canceled the committee vote for Monday. Well, that she needs to be heard. She needs to be heard. Oh my God! What do we need to hear? Um, I, 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 you, can you tell us when it happened? No. Can you tell us where it happened? No. I, I mean, it's just, uh, I can't. Here's, even. here's the, the, the only upside, uh, I can, I can see for this whole thing, right? You've got, uh, you got Flake and you got Collins and Murkowski, right? Those are the, those are the, the iffies mm-hmm. again. We don't, we don't know how they're going to vote. Uh, so they're going to be. They're, they're going to be all like, she deserves to be heard. She deserves to be heard as she needs her, her date and, and, and yada, yada, yada. So, so th- that way they can justify voting uh, for, for Kavanaugh. They're like, okay, she had her day. Here's what has me worried it, that, that has it, the, the big fly in the ointment for all this. I don't want this to be televised. I really don't want it to be televised no. because all they have left. They have one. This whole thing started with one silver bullet, and and it, and it was all emotion. It's all emotion, and she can. And this is yes, I will be using my cartoony uh, girl voice that I use in my stand up, and and blah blah blah. But I I everything tells me that this uh, blase Ford is gonna sit down, and there's gonna be a, a great weeping, and why won't anybody believe me? And and then that's it. And then that's it. The facts won't matter. Obviously, the facts don't matter. No one cares. No one gives a rat's patootie about okay. the facts of this thing. So 
here's my thing. My okay. thing is this. Ed Whelan from the Ethics and Policy Center did a thread the other night. He made what a some dork. He made some serious mistakes in that thread, but I keyed in on one thing. One thing. What? He knew where the other female attendee lived. Yeah. Yeah. He had a name. He didn't start with Zillow searches. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't believe that. What he did was still wrong. But now that the woman has made her statement and said, I don't even know Brett Kavanaugh. I was never at a party with him, with or without Ms. Ford. Mm -hmm. I, she couldn't be any more clear. Yes, they all have. There's, there's, of all the people who were supposed to be at this party, there's only one person who says something happened, and that's Blase Blase. Mm -hmm. And her credibility is gone. Her credibility is gone. I, I feel uh, her lawyer is terrible too. I mean, I have a little bit of sympathy for her because obviously she's very troubled and she's gone through. But this whole uh, delay, delay, delay thing, and then the I'm afraid to fly. I'm afraid to fly. And then she's got, I, I like to go surfing in Hawaii. Honey, you live in California. Mm -hmm. How are you getting to Hawaii? Are you surfing over there? No, you're on a plane. And then when, uh, if, when, when he was going to become a Supreme Court justice, I thought about moving to New Zealand. How were you going to get there? You're going to fly. So oh, I, I just, I'm, I'm bored with the whole thing. And well, then it's and there terrifying. Some... It's terrifying as a dude. As a dude. It's terrifying as a woman who has sons and nephews and brothers. And it's terrifying, try by, period. Try being a dude. Try oh, being I know. a dude. I mean, you could be afraid for these people, but it's just like, holy crap. When you have senators standing up going, sit down, sit down, shut up, men. You're like, what the heck? Like, the, the pitchforks are right there. The pitchforks are Right there. Who who is this lunatic out of Hawaii? Hirohono or whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah. Maka, Shut up, Ben. Yeah. And then this morning on Jake Tapper saying, "Well, because of his positions, he must be a sexual predator." Is basically what she said. Like seriously, if 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 a man disagrees with you politically, you're yeah. What like yeah like the the leaps of of like well complete lack of logic i guess would be a better a better thing to say here is just gobsmacking and and literally you could have had the committee vote on monday and held yeah. the full senate vote until after she testified well yeah I, you know? i'm i just i listen it's it's flake it's collins and murkowski yeah there, I know. it's but rumor was this morning she's in delaware why can't she get from delaware to dc by monday morning because they they will do anything to try to stop Kavanaugh. They will do anything. And that's that's the other thing. It's like I don't want to get into the great weeping and gnashing of teeth over this. But it's like it's not like we haven't witnessed an organized uh, opposition to this from day one. Word one. Grassley hadn't even started the proceedings when people were standing up. Invited guests were standing up, people getting thrown out. Then you got the Spartacus moment and you got Kamala Harris going crazy and everybody. And we got to stop these proceedings and anything called to order. It's just it's a madhouse. It's, it's a like everybody's madhouse. forgotten that. Oh, yeah. It doesn't even it doesn't even Memory matter. That... <laughs> what? What? Memory hold. Oh, yeah. Those hearings were two weeks ago. They, they made absolute ago. lunatics. I, they looked like lunatics. 
And it, the the scary thing is it was all organized lunacy. That's the whole Chuck Schumer called him up and goes, here's the plan. Here's the plan. And and this is going to sound horrible. And I don't care uh, because everyone's beat this live horse to death. And then they tried to beat it again. But but like, no, Feinstein had this letter in July. Mm-hmm. This has this has nothing to do about uh, a, a young woman uh, being groped and she needs justice. It has nothing to do with that. If it was ever if it ever had anything to do with that. As soon as you got that letter, you say something, well, which is and, uh, which is the problem, uh, which is the great takeaway from all this. Ladies, and, guys, people, if somebody touches you inappropriately, say something immediately. Immediately. And then WAPO, she called the WAPO tip line herself. Yeah. Back in July. WAPO held the story. And then when they published it. They didn't even provide all of the information they had about this female attendee. There's a great thread by Kimberly Strassel on it, and it's skeevy. Washington Post should have to explain themselves. It's all it's all skeevy. I hope I it know. goes well. I'm worried about uh, I'm worried about just the raw emotion of it, and everybody's just going to be wringing their hands and clutching their pearls and look at this poor poor woman who. Uh, I'll, and this is going to sound horrible, uh, but all she has to do is start squirting out some tears, uh, and it's going to look bad, bad optics. And I tell you, uh, women have been known to uh, my favorite, my favorite, uh, Kathy Griffin. She got, she got into a little Twitter fight, uh, or, uh, an Instagram fight with, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. Okay. She's saying I've. I've earned all my money. I've never had to ask a man for money. And so then, of course, I had to provide her with a clip from her YouTube video where she talks about uh, how she made herself uh, cry for Jeff Zucker and begged him for her old job back. I know. Nice I girl, but about as sharp as a sack of wet mice. <laughs> I missed it. Play it again. Nice girl, but about as sharp as a sack of wet mice. <laughs> Now I have to ask: Is that Foghorn Leghorn, or is that the 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 character that Foghorn Leghorn is based off of? That Kung is, Fu Rick. That is actually Foghorn Leghorn. That's great. That has to be one of those ones that they, they're not allowed to show on TV anymore. Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, that's your problem, boy. You're reading too many of them long head books. <laughs> as a kid, as a kid, Foghorn Leghorn not that funny. As an adult, hilarious, hilarious. Same thing with Pepe Le Pew. As a mm-hmm. little kid, you're like, that is dumb. That is dumb. Then you fall in love a couple times. You get your heart broken a couple times. Suddenly, Pepe Le Pew's a genius. <laughs> He's a genius. <laughs> and you're like rooting for him. Who cares if you don't fit into her world? <laughs> She'll love you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so here's a uh, here's an underreported story. This is one of the things that we try to do here, you guys. Uh you know, you get you get your hot takes on the big the big news of the day, but we're also looking at, at stuff that I feel is uh, underreported and quite interesting. Uh, Liberty Gypsy, have you heard yes. anything about the this whole new social credit system they have going on in China? No. Okay. Now I want you to get ready to be freaked the heck out. China is implementing this new social credit system. Now, what this is based on is your activities in public and in private, but mostly 
in public. They have a bunch of those uh, security cameras all over China. They're getting a bunch more, and you get social credit. So if you are a nice person, you get more credits to your social credit account. If you do bad things like litter or spit on the sidewalk or cut in line, you get social credits taken away. And this can affect your uh, privileges for the internet and for traveling around China somewhat freely. It is straight out of 1984. Uh, there are people who have lost uh, the, 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 the right to go online. They lose their television privileges because they're, they're deemed bad people. And China's loving this. And they have plans to throw up a, a few more hundred security cameras that it uses like AI and they just follow you around and watch your behavior. How about that? Uh, 1984, anyone? It is beyond the beyond. I got to do some more research in it. Uh, and I, I hate doing research, but this is completely terrifying. Completely terrifying. And whenever you see these kids going, oh, socialism, isn't it great? Isn't it great? Like this is – it's straight out of Black Mirror. It is mm-hmm. straight out of Black Mirror or the twilight. Holy smokes. I thought, I thought I'd get more out of that. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one uh, terrified by this. Here's another story that was kind of buried today. But they got Google executives on tape talking about they want to tamper with search results uh, to be more pro-immigration. What? Yup. Now Google's fighting back. Google's like, well, these are just executives. These are low-level executives. They're just having a discussion. But we didn't we didn't implement any of the changes that we know of that that you know of. But right. they're like legitimately having like Donald Trump had just been uh, elected and it was the big kerfuffle over the uh, air quote uh, Muslim ban. And these are not low level executives. These are some high level executives over at Google talking about, hey, maybe we could change the search results uh, to make things be more pro immigration. And if you think that's the first time they've had this discussion, you're out of your mind. You're no, I've seen mind. it. I've seen documentation of a couple discussions they have, and and it's all terrifying. And that's why DuckDuckGo and and um, Brave are great alternatives. Um, I'm gonna go with DuckDuckGo. I've made the I've made the the call. They've now terrified me with their their Big Brother activities. Well, I, I like Brave because I am a big Peter. Peter Thiel fan, and that that's his new baby. Or no, Brendan Eich, excuse me, that's his new baby. Um, plus it has some like interesting things that might go on in the future where ads will be pushed to you, and if you click on them, you earn Bitcoin to spend on stuff. So I think that's kind of cool too. So <laughs> wow. the, ad, the ad companies will actually pay a little bit for placement, but actually pay people to view their ads is kind of the long-term model for that. So I think that's kind of cool. Wow. Um, well, at least as long as you can do something online and you can get social credit for it. I love how like <laughs> I love how we're talking about how terrifying the Chinese culture is. And then you're like, ooh, I like this. If you click on the thing, you get a reward. <laughs> yeah, but Bitcoin's relatively anonymous. If you have an account set up, it's very hard to track. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, there's a comic that I met uh, in New York. This kid is mining it. I, I have no idea how you do it. But he had a big giant machine, and it's really it, it seemed insane. Okay, I don't want to. We're we're rolling fast here, but I didn't want to uh, get past this because this is the other one that I think is huge. 
that like no one else is talking about. There's value. There is value in the Loftus Party podcast. There is value uh, in the videos on the website and on the YouTube channel. I found out this. A bunch of researchers at Yale mm-hmm. are looking at the numbers of illegal immigrants. Now, mm-hmm. the number that's always bandied around is about – they go, oh, it's about 11 million, 11.3 million, 11.3 million. It's just one of those numbers that's now on the lexicon. It's like, oh, 97 percent of scientists all believe global warming. You know, it's just – it's not based in reality. So right. researchers are like, you know what? 11.3 million seems a little high. Let's find the real number. So you have a think tank. These are researchers at Yale who are like they're, – they're going out to prove that it's way less than 11.3 million, and they find 22 million illegals. They think the number is way higher than anyone ever thought, and of course it freaked them out, and so they published their paper. It go, I'm sure it goes against their politics, but thank God they're still pretending to be real researchers, and right. that – Rocked me to my core. Rocked me to my core. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm all about building the wall. Like we can't financially support. I like I I thought eleven. I thought eleven million was a big number. Now they're talking about twenty two. Well, I mean, it's been eleven million since like George W. Bush was president. You had to know that number was wrong. That's what that's what these guys were saying. That's what's that's what sparked it off. They're like, okay, it's been eleven million for decades. That's gotta be blah 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 blah. And certainly now these people have assimilated, and certainly now a bunch of them are card carrying uh citizens of the United States of America. And no. No. And no. No. And they get to bring six to seven family members apiece. It's it's crazy. And it's one of those things where – and it goes back to like what Jordan Peterson – like Jordan Jordan Peterson says that he'll give these speeches and then people will say to him afterwards, wow, like I instinctively already knew what you were saying was true. And it's weird and I think that's why – I think that's why uh, Trump had such a big reaction to build the wall, build the wall. It's like you're walking around America. I've been all over this country and, and doing stand-up and stuff and, and you're like – there's a lot of illegal aliens here. There's a lot. And oh, it's 11 million. It seems like more. It just, it just always, it always like, really? I'm all for the wall now. I'm all for the wall. Well, we can put a candy station on the other side and a little water station. Uh, and so when people walk over to the wall and they see, oh, no, it's closed, they can get a piece of candy and they can get a bottle of water, uh, maybe some other stuff. We'll have to have a fundraiser. Uh, and see what other items they can have, and then they they have to go back and fix their home country. Well, yeah, because we don't want all of these countries emptied out either. <laughs> no. Like, come on, guys, you got to fix where you're at. And maybe we need to do some foreign policy things different into South, into South America because, you know, we've been really focused in other areas of the world. And this is our – this is our t- – just directly to our South. We might want to pay a little more attention. Yes. Um, but you know what's really weird? Because I'm all not for socialism, but the Mexican president that was just elected, who is a socialist, is basically telling Trump he's going to help him, which I think well, is weird. I, I hope so. I hope so. It's uh, These are crazy, crazy days. These are crazy days, but wonderful things are happening. I love the unintended consequence. I love that people went out to prove 11 million was way too high, and they discovered it was – Double 
than than their expectations. Okay, so right. now so now we're in some kind of reality that we can all talk about. Okay, we got Andrew Clavin in the house. We're gonna talk to him. We're gonna, you're gonna have a blast. You're gonna love him. America loves him. England loves him. After that interview, we're gonna come back. We got a lot to discuss. We got uh, Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Uh, we got slutty handmaidens. My goodness, my goodness, it's so much show. All right, here's my interview with Andrew Claven. You guys, uh, we have a titan of industry, a, 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 a legend uh, in, in Los Angeles, a man who is a giant who walks. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. We got Andrew Claven on the show. <laughs> I was wondering who the hell it was. I, <laughs> I, I realized I realized like halfway through the, the, the wind up. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? I had to bail <laughs> on the bit. Dude, I'm so glad you're here. It's a great pleasure. It's always good to talk to you. Now, I uh, I actually did some research, okay, oh. just so 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 that my listeners know, because uh, I didn't know this about you. I, I knew that I knew that you were uh, a fine author. You'd have you've you've done a bunch of books. I didn't know you did the fake author name though. I got to ask you about that. Uh, oh, the- you know, I did when I started out. You know, I was writing I was writing these very offbeat, experimental, weird, bizarre novels. It's really true. I was writing very experimental stuff. But I needed to make a living, so I thought, well, I'll write some uh, detective stories, some crime stories, which had always been what I loved best. I'd always loved that best. I always liked writing. I always loved thriller stories and crime stories. And so I started writing those under a pseudonym because I was in a contract with a small publishing house where they had to pay me like, you know, I forget what it was, like $1,000 for every book, and I couldn't get out of the contract. So I wrote them under a, a, a pseudonym. And they got that my pseudonym became more popular than I was, and I got jealous of him, so I killed him. Ah, so here's what a couple questions I want to know. How do you pick the pseudonym? How do you pick uh, your your fake author name? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, Keith Peterson was the name of my of my mystery writing guy, and I remember he was named after Keith Hernandez, who was the first baseman for the Mets during their championship run back in the '80s. So I, where I got Peterson from, I cannot recall. That's hilarious. So it's Keith. It's Keith Hernandez. It's Keith Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was it was it those books uh, that became the 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 movies? No, no. I then switched over uh, to my name. One of those books uh, or two of them were optioned for films, but they didn't get made. One of them uh, was optioned by Sally Field. I remember having a, a lunch with Sally Field over one of them. But the ones that got made were written under my own name. I finally switched back to my own name and I wrote uh, True Crime and that became a movie with uh, made by Clint Eastwood and with Clint Eastwood and Don't Say a Word. And that was a movie um, with Michael Douglas. One pseudonymous book that I wrote with my brother. Uh, we wrote it under the name Margaret Tracy. His girlfriend at the time was named Margaret, and, and uh, my wife's middle name is Tracy, which I've, is what I've always called her. And uh, so we had Margaret Tracy, and we wrote a female thriller called Mrs. White, and it was made into a film called White of the Eye, which is actually a cult film because it was made by Donald Kamel, who also made uh, some Mick Jagger film. So it's actually like a cult film because afterwards, I think every, it destroyed everybody's career. I mean, I think he committed suicide afterwards. It was just a, <laughs> so, I, so whatever happened to all those people is my fault. You know. I, I write books that are turned into movies that make people want to kill themselves. I think it's fantastic. Now, were you were you as uh uh, I, I know you're you're still writing stuff. Uh, you, you're having huge success. I want to get to your your shows over the the Daily Wire, the Andrew Clavin Show, all the, and all the other stuff. 
What what are you writing now? What are, what are you what are you working on now that has you jazzed in in the well, in the literary field? Well, I I wrote a a book called Another Kingdom, which is a thriller, but it's got a fantasy element. So it's kind of a it's a mystery thriller, but it takes place in two worlds, and it's got this kind of fantasy medieval element. And when I finished it, I thought, you know, I don't really have an audience for this in the publishing world. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it up as a podcast. So me and my pal Michael Knowles, Michael's an actor, and he. Uh, acted the thing and we put some sound effect. I got some of the sound guys from the daily wire to help out and we put it up as a podcast and it was so popular uh, for a while. It was among the top hundred of all podcasts, which for a work of fiction is kind of unheard of. And now we've saw, I, I sold the book to a publisher and now we're bringing out the second season of a podcast. So I'm working on the first book and the second season at the same time, writing uh, a second, uh, a sequel to Another Kingdom, which will be, be the second book, and ultimately it'll be a trilogy. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm, I, I really, I've said this before, I, I, love, I love interviewing uh, and talking to writers, especially people who have written uh, books. I had uh, Amy Parnes on the show. She wrote the book Shattered, which was the, the Hillary Clinton thing. But like, just, I, dude, I can do screenplays, I can do stage plays, but there's something about a book. I don't know why. I just can't wrap my brain around it. How do you how do you attack it? It's it's it really is hard work. I I will not uh, belittle it. It really you know when you write a screenplay, and I've written many screenplays. When you write a screenplay and you want a guy to cross the room, you write he crosses the room. When yeah. you write uh, when you write a novel, you got to create the room, you got to create the guy, you got to create his thoughts. It's an all in, an internal um, you know experience. So it's just a lot, a lot of work. And I, the way I do it is I outline extensively. It's the only part of the job that I really don't like very much. It's kind of boring. But I find that if I have the entire plot written out, and I can you know, deviate from it if I need to, but if I have at least a, a, a plot that works written out, then I can sit down and write and I can create and I don't have to worry about it. So doing the prep for that, it means I know what I have to research. It means I know where the story is going. It means I'm not going to get to page 250 and find, oh, the gun is is in the kitchen, but it's supposed to be in the living room and it's going to take a hundred page rewrite uh, to fix that. And that just doesn't happen. So I, I do a lot of prep work before I get started. And that has really worked for me. That's, that's, that's me too, especially, especially with screenplays. And that's, but like, like you just nailed it on the head. You know, I'd much rather write, he crosses to the dresser than, you know, as sweat drips down his forehead, knowing <laughs> that Janine was by, I just, it just, it, it just seems like too much, but that's 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 a wonderful way to get uh, sequel good. And then even then, though, even when when you have a, a wonderful, well researched uh, outline, do you don't you find yourself making changes at the last second? Like all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, now that I know this character a little bit better, he would do this. Absolutely. And I mean, it's characters actually refuse to do what the outline says they should do because you've developed, you know, the character, I, I do character work before I start, but characters cannot help but develop uh, organically. They do. And so you get to, you know, again, you get deep into the book and suddenly the character says, I, you know, it turns to you basically and says, I would never uh, shoot that guy. That's just what wouldn't happen. And so you have to change it. And that that too can be a lot of work. I have rewritten books from the ground up. Uh, I've thrown books away. I've had all those experiences and it's all very uh, painful. But when it works, it really is a very satisfying experience. You know, you might dig. Uh, I stumbled across this about a year ago. I'm a, I'm a big Game of Thrones guy. But uh Great uh, George R. R. George R. R. Martin uh, put out his outline that he presented to his publisher for uh, the first 
book and uh it's it's a it's a great outline however about halfway through he just ditched it he just like he found the characters were doing different stuff so i just uh it's daunting god bless you <laughs> it is very now daunting. here's a guy now here's a guy uh a, a famous author uh stephen king who really enjoys your stuff the guy gushes over you uh he doesn't use outlines so, but, but what do you think that had to have been uh, huge when, when Stephen King says uh, you to man? Yeah, that was incredibly nice, especially because I don't know King. He was reacting only to the books themselves, which was just incredibly generous of him. Um, you know, King and Ruth Rendell, a great British crime writer, uh, wrote without outlines. And I don't know how they do it. Um, I think that when you do that, you're more likely to repeat yourself you know, because you're you're working so much out of your subconscious that and your subconscious only has a certain amount of material. Yeah, you're much more likely to repeat yourself. But it does give both King and Rendell this incredible storytelling immediacy. You know, you read Stephen King and it is as if somebody had reached out of the book with a hand and grabbed you by the front of your shirt and dragged you into the story. And maybe that's how he gets that effect. But it is, it's a remarkable thing. And it just has to do with how your mind works. I actually take a lot of pleasure in putting puzzles together. I love doing crossword puzzles and things like that. So I think the outlining is just kind of natural to me. Wow. This is crazy. You are, I thought, I thought there was a, maybe it's a, maybe it's a trait among writers. I want to get back to the puzzle thing. But but here's the problem, in my opinion, just as a, as a guy who bangs out uh, sitcoms and screenplays and stuff. Uh, the problem with flying, uh, writing from the seat of your pants, yes, you have that immediacy, but it hurts the pacing. I can literally, like I remember reading uh, The Stand, you know, like, oh, it's his masterpiece. And you can tell right when, when Stephen King like got up that morning and looked at his page count and just was like, holy shit, I need to wrap this up. <laughs> I've heard people say that about that before. You know, I, I think, I, again, it is just something that you have to, you, everybody has his own process, right? And I, and I, you talk about that and you sound like this kind of fay artiste, you know, oh, my process and all this, but it really is true because you come to a place where you just want to do the best work you can do the best way. So, you know, there's a lot of guys, for instance, who can't rehearse, actors who can't rehearse they get everything right the first time and a lot of people have got to do it 50 times before they narrow it down to the exact part they want and who can say why one person gets a better performance one way and the other person gets it another way for me i just want my mind clear when i write i want it clear of all the plotting stuff i never my writing time is very precious to me i never want to sit down and just stare at the page because i don't know what the guy is going to do it's one thing to sit there for 20 minutes thinking of the right word but to sit there because I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's just like that just feels like being strangled and it, I get panicky and all that. So I just don't want it to happen. But, you know, if something else works for someone, who am I to say? And no one could deny that uh, King's system works for him. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, it, it's not like the guy ain't selling books. <laughs> he's doing he's doing all right. Now, uh, you're you're doing a lot of stuff over the Daily Wire. I, dude, I could talk about writing and and books and literature and yet yeah, f- forever. But I kind of I feel like kind of owe it to the audience. Uh, you're over at the Daily Wire. You've got uh, the Andrew Clavin show over there. Now, have you? I'm guessing you you lean to the right as as do I. Was that a problem for you in Hollywood, or was yes. this a, a new thing? Are you like a, a newly converted uh, smaller government guy? 
No, no, no. It was a huge, it became a huge problem for me as I became loud about it. And the only reason I became loud, what happened to me is I started out kind of a, I was born into a liberal family. Uh, you know, I, I just assumed like all liberals that uh, conservatives were evil. You know, liberals don't all agree with each other, but they all agree that conservatives are evil. And that's what keeps them in the fold. You know, it's only when you start to think like, well, maybe this guy isn't evil. That's when you start to break out. What happened to me was, First of all, the Reagan administration, I, I, they treated Reagan exactly the way they're treating Donald Trump. And slowly it kind of dawned on me that everything Reagan said was coming true. And I started to think, well, that's kind of strange if he is what the left says he is, if he is this warmongering, stupid actor who doesn't know what he's doing. It's kind of strange that everything he does works. So yeah. and then the other thing was I moved to England and I lived there for seven years. And it was kind of like that picture when the first guys who orbited the moon took a picture of Earth and you could see the Earth full, suddenly I could see America that way from living ab abroad for such a long time. And I kind of fell in love with the country from afar. So I, be I came back without realizing my politics had changed. And to my absolute shock, I found myself listening to Rush Limbaugh thinking, yeah, that's what I think, you know, and reading National Review and thinking, yeah, that, you know, that's exactly what I was kind of thinking when I was overseas. And so I realized I was a conservative. I would have kept my, I would have happily kept my mouth shut. But after 9-11, when Hollywood started making films about our soldiers, depicting them as rapists and as killers, they, you know, movies like Lions for Lambs, where the, where yeah. the soldiers were these dopes who were being abused, uh, tricked into going to war by evil Republicans and all these uh, th things that kind of denigrated our soldiers. And I thought, you know, I don't mind that you disapprove of the war, but our soldiers are in the field at this moment. Don't be making massive propaganda pieces that, that help the enemy. No one had ever done that before. They didn't do it during the Vietnam War, all those big movies against the war came out after our boys were safely home. And so I started to write about that and just say, this is wrong. I even had myself embedded in Afghanistan just to have some authority to speak and say, no, these guys are not rapists. They're not killers. They're not just going over and shooting Muslims because they don't like the way they wear their burqas or something like this. It's, you know, it's nonsense. And that really, and my phone stopped ringing. I mean, there was no question about it. I was selling two and sometimes three screenplays a year, which is, as you know, good money. That's and huge. Yeah. And uh, and all of that dried up and got very, got more and more difficult for me. Were there other things that happened? You know, there was a writer's strike eventually and there was other things that happened. But I know from things that I've heard around third hand that I also became kind of a pariah and I can feel it today when I walk into a room. Uh, you know, I can feel that I'm talking to someone who d detests me sometimes, you know, and, and, you know, when you go in, they, they, this is a phrase they use in Hollywood to go into a room. It means to have a meeting, you know, when you go into a room, you have these conversations and they frequently start with someone saying something left wing. So during the Bush era, it was what an idiot George W. Bush is. And during the Obama era, it was what, what fools the opposition, uh, is, you know, and what fools they are. And, and I just can't keep my mouth shut. I can't sit there and smile with this stupid grin on my face and pretend to agree. So I'm extremely, I'm a very polite guy. And I would always say something like, well, I'm kind of on the other side, but you might as well just end the conversation right there. Cause after that, there's a lot of people in Hollywood to whom you're not going to sell anything. And it's such a difficult, uh, profession to begin with anything that counts against you makes your odds a million to one, you know? Oh, and so, it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And and I don't know if people realize it, like how many things have to line up and go right and just be perfect for a project to move forward. Uh, so it's not hard to kill something. 
<laughs> it, it ain't hard to kill something. No, that that's right. And I, and I think again, I'm not complaining about this. I've never lost a minute sleep over it. I, 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 I didn't start out to be in the movie business. I only wanted to write novels. I, I refused a lot of chances to be in the movie business and then kind of got dragged into it over time. And I always enjoyed it because I liked working with, with people, but you know, I've never lost a moment sleep uh, uh, over it. I would hate to live a life where I had to keep my mouth shut. I'd hate to live a life where I couldn't say, speak, you know, what I believe. Yeah. How could you, how could you, it's really weird. Like how does your head hit the pillow? Just knowing that, okay, I'm a total hypocrite. That's what I can't, that's what I, no, I, I can't fathom it. Yeah. Like, uh, that, you know, especially if you're words or everything, you know, if you're writing, yeah. I mean everything. So, yeah. So I, I, you're, so now you're over at, at, at the daily wire. You've been with these guys for a while and now you're, you're quickly achieving rock star status. I've seen some. I've seen some footage. You guys did an event. Where was that recently? In 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 Phoenix. It was insane. It was insane. I, it's amazing. I mean, one thing, of course, is that Ben Shapiro, who uh, leads the Daily Wire, never heard of him. Never heard of Ben. <laughs> you know, he's become a rock star, and he's made all of us. Uh, he's kind of dragged all of us up with him. But for me, this whole part of my career has come as a surprise. Uh, you know, I never wanted to be in front of a camera. Uh, I never wanted to be recognized the way I'm recognized now. Uh, that was not my my thing. My thing was writing stuff that people liked. That was what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. And really what happened is it started at over at PJTV is uh, somebody said you should come over to PJTV and do some of this stuff with us. And that was kind of the first – that was kind of one of the first conservative video uh, endeavors. And I looked at it and I saw Bill Whittle. He was doing these very uh, good commentaries. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny to do Bill, Bill Whittle as he might be done by Monty Python? <laughs> and, <the> <laughs> <laughs> and, and my my one of my guiding forces has always been if you can write something wholly original that no one else is doing, you should do it because it's so exciting to do something totally new. And I'd never seen anybody do that before. So I started doing these videos, Clavin on the Culture. And they just became very popular. And I've sort of it sort of just became a whole other part of my career. It's been a total surprise to me. Well, it, it's fantastic. And uh, I want to celebrate and and lift up uh, anyone who because th there's few like artists who are who feel free to like uh, be known as as conservative or, or lean to the right. And, and that's what I'm literally trying to do uh, here with the Loftus party. You know, it's like my I don't want to be like another. And I, and I think this is I, I don't want to speak for you as well. But like there's a lot of people who can shake their fist at the sky and they can do it really, really well. You know, I don't I don't want to compete with them. Uh, I, I'm just I, I dig people who who write, who paint, who want to make art, uh, who also think that, hey, big government uh, shouldn't be my daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and for, to put it also in a, a positive light, like I just think people should be free. You know, I, I, that's really where, what it comes down to. I think that you should be free to speak your opinion, even if everyone disagrees with you, that you should be free when you earn money to spend it the way you want. Your money comes from your time and your time doesn't belong to anybody but you. You know, your life doesn't belong to anybody but you. You should be able to practice your religion even when people tell you, oh, that's hateful, you know, and, and I disagree with you. It, I, I think all of those things you know, small government or limited government, we should say, because this is a huge country, it's going to have a big government, but limited government is just a vehicle for that freedom. That's all it is. And when, when people tell me about socialism, I think, you know, hey, great, except 
the money belongs to the person who made it. The time belongs to the person who, who, whose life it constitutes, you know? And so as an artist, as an artist, I just believe in freedom and your freedom can't come at the expense of somebody else. You want to be gay, please bless you. But your, your, your freedom to be gay cannot come at the expense of someone else's freedom to not want to be part of your wedding, you know, to not want to participate in your wedding. Those are, those are both freedoms and I believe in both of them. And so, uh, and so that seems to me a very, um, American, very straightforward uh, point of view. And the fact that it's being demonized simply shows how our education has collapsed to the point where we no longer remember what our traditions are and what our purpose is. I don't think I'm going to say it better than that. I don't <laughs> think we're going to top that. Andrew Clavin, thank you so much for being on the show. I want people to check out uh, Another Kingdom, a huge podcast. I want them to check out your stuff at The Daily Wire, The Andrew Clavin Show. Much success. Thank you so much for being on. That uh, faith, My faith in humanity has been restored. <laughs> we well, we I, are I, not I, alone. <laughs> anyway, it's great talking to you, Lovers. Thanks a lot. Hey, have a good time, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon. That was Andrew Clavin. He's a champ. I like that guy. I like that guy a lot. I want to have him back on the show. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because we had to take a little extra pause because uh, Gypsy w- was uh, was stuffing popcorn in her face. Mm-hmm. She, yep, says, she says, hold on a second, I'm popcorning. To which I replied, popcorning is like twerking, but with your face. So <laughs> we have to invent that. I want to see videos of women popcorning. <laughs> popcorning. It's also called chewing. <laughs> no, 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 you're chewing. No, no, not when you're popcorning. Popcorning, <laughs> it's more of a surprised uh, look on your face with a rapid back and forth. Oh, my goodness. That was great. I'm that was sorry. a lot of fun. Yeah. No, no I'm don't not, be. I'm not a head twerker. Mm. <clears throat> no, you're not. You popcorn. Okay. Popcorn. So uh, I've been doing a lot uh, a lot more. I'm having a good time uh, on the on the, the Loftus Party website. It's so it's, – it's so – insanely easy Mm -hmm. uh to blog and to post stuff and it's it's great Uh, i was on there the other day uh i was jumping on uh the internet and i saw oh my gosh there's a the the captain marvel trailer is out and so i watched it and then literally within like 15 minutes i already had oh i posted the trailer and i put up a story and my 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 spin on it my take uh and i i want to invite everybody to go uh, to the loftusparty.com there's so much great stuff going on there and comic book stuff and political stuff and videos and you can comment you can put up a story just it's, do it it is i think people maybe people don't believe us that's what i'm thinking mm. they, they go oh it's going to be hard it's going to be hard it's going to be it's so simple and it is uh it, it, we, we want to build a community I want to build a community, and I know you guys are out there uh, because uh, uh, I've seen you. I've seen you. So come on by, hang out, and and post a story. If you've got something you found, if you've got uh, the next great, uh, you know, popcorn or the next great bar or the next great mo- whatever, let us know. Let us know. Uh, that's what we're doing. Uh, the link is still up to to raise money for Caleb. I'm going to talk to my buddies uh, down at the Comedy and Magic. Uh, this week about uh, doing some stand-up shows 
to raise money. It's 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 ridiculous. It's like a it's like a three thousand dollar surgery. I think we've raised about five hundred bucks. Uh, we can we can knock this out. This is going to be a lot a lot easier. So we're uh, also I'm, poking somebody for from Doctors Without Borders behind the scenes. So oh, fantastic! Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Uh, oh, and this is just in personal news. Uh, my management. Uh, I'm working on several projects. Whatever. I I don't like to talk out of school, but my ma- <laughs> someone in my management company. They asked me if I wanted to uh, write for Bill Maher. <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was mm-hmm. hilarious. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to pass on that offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I decided to watch Bill Maher the other day just to right. see what that guy was up to. And as fate would have it, his, his guests, he was going to talk to Michael Moore, which I guess his movie's tanking. Thank God it's tanking. Uh, but Michael Moore was his just his usual self. Just I, uh, I have very little patience for that guy. But Steve Hilton was on. Steve Hilton, who has the show on Fox News, uh, the Next Revolution with Steve Hilton. It's on Sunday nights. He's he's an American citizen. He's British by birth. His wife uh, works in Silicon Valley. He seems like a a lovely, lovely man uh, and very intelligent. Well, Steve Hilton. Uh, was on the Bill Maher show and he was trying to be polite and he was trying to be liked and likable and man, it was watching a train wreck. I felt so bad for this guy. It was, they were ganging up on him, looking at him like he was an idiot and saying stuff like, what are you even talking about? What are you talking? Like just treating him like he was lower than dirt. And you could just see like the look on his face of, Oh no, I'm stuck out here for another 45 minutes. It's just like, welcome to America, guy. Welcome to America. This whole thing where uh, you just want to be, you just want to be likable and have them all like you. I don't think it's going to work out. I don't. And it it was, it was bad. It was, it was not good. I I like that guy. I I occasionally watch his show, but that was a rough introduction. that I honestly do not know. Why anyone from the political right goes to sit down for that gang up because that's what it always is. Um, after his interview with Ben Shapiro uh, recently, I was just like gobsmacked. Like I missed really? it. Um, well, it was actually funny because Shapiro was on the Rubin Report right before and said, "Yeah, I'm going to do more," and you know. I'm hoping it's going to be a, a respectful conversation. It was really anything but. Um, but then it was weird because Jordan Peterson comes on and because Jordan Peterson is kind of, and, and Shapiro is too, but whatever, um, like the free speech leader, if you will, you know, one of the leaders of this movement, like stop trying to shut people up. Um, Bill Maher was like all into him and thought he was wonderful. Yes. Yes. It's like you can never predict what Bill's going to do, and I just – I think for somebody Oh, I can. Well, but for somebody who's from the political right and maybe doesn't have the profile of a Ben Shapiro or a Jordan Peterson or you know even a, a Dennis Miller because he's had Dennis Miller on. If you don't have that kind of profile where you can weather that, I don't even know why you'd go on. I really don't. 
Oh, well, that is that is a very good point. As to the Jordan Peterson of it all, it is the the intellectuals of, of the left and the intellectuals and what they see in Jordan Peterson. Oh, he's not political. He's an intellectual. So as a fellow intellectual, they have to treat him with with respect. Oh, I know. They still hate and, him, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Did you yeah, see that web? Did you see that web that Vox put out? No. Um. It was done by some woman writing for a data organization, and Vox did an article on it, but she did one of those influence webs, which ends up being like six degrees from Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. And so she was literally tying people like Dave Rubin and Ben Shapiro to Richard Spencer by degrees of association and common viewers. Well, that's just I mean, it's just disgusting. And she was basically – she was basically – And this is terrifying, going back to the China social credit or whatever it is. She's basically advocating that those YouTube channels be shut down. It's uh, that's and therein lies the danger. Because this this whole IDW and this whole group of people who can actually disagree with one another and sit down and have a reasonable conversation and actually learn from one, one another snuck up on them. Gen Z and younger millennials are watching this stuff like crazy because, like you said, we knew this instinctively, but thank you for explaining it to us. Yeah, right? yeah. And it, it's literally terrifying to them. They must stop it. It is wild. It is wild to watch this political movement, and, I, and I'm talking about the left, and I'm talking about not all, but a, a lot of liberals and, uh, and, and Democrats. They honestly feel they know what's best. And if you don't believe what they believe – you're misinformed, you're uneducated, you're a racist, you're a moron, you're despicable, you're deplorable, and, and they just know more and just trust them to, to lead you down the golden path. And when you decide you don't want to go down their little golden path, uh, they just they, – they want to shut you down. They just want to shut you down. I'm so pleased about the whole intellectual dark web. I'm so pleased about the popularity of 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 uh, Jordan Peterson and and Rubin and Ben. Anybody, anybody, Kanye West. Think for yourself. Mm-hmm. Think for yourself. It's a it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, so I I, I passed. I, I passed on the on the writing for Bill Maher. I want to. I want to get into this really quick. I want to make sure we I have. I think you're uh, really good. I don't think you would have lasted very long. <laughs> no, I probably would have been. Uh, I probably would have lasted like a uh, a week, and then they would have been like, "Holy smoke, you're telling the wrong kind of joke, Pally." We had a we had a great uh, poll this week, the poll dance, the, and I just want to give a shout out to everybody who uh, participated in that because there's a new graphic novel out from from uh, DC with with Batman and and for a split second in one of the for a split second in one of the frames you actually see uh Batman's schlong which you know it, average whatever it's not like I wonder if they had debates on that like how big should his junk be like but anyway he is a uh, superhero it's not it's not gra- it's not it's not like in a comic book that any kid could buy. It's a graphic novel, so mm-hmm. whatever. Uh and of course they did it to get attention and it worked. They did. So our little contest was uh Batman's junk is in the new uh graphic novel and what should what should his pet name for it be? So our 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 ideas were Lil Wayne, which that was mine. 
I thought that was just funny. I thought Lil Wayne was just so funny. Your other choice was uh, The Batchlong. Uh, the other choice after that was Robin. Hilarious. And then Other. And that's where the fun begins. Uh, uh, Wilbert, Wilbert, I can't say this guy's name. Wilberto Flores said rabies. <laughs> and Thomas Hennigan on Facebook says, I don't know what the name for it is, but he probably uses it to take a justice leak. And I, lo- I like puns. <laughs> I like puns. So I, uh-huh. I celebrate that. We also had the batter wang. Uh, very funny bat dong. There was lots of bat dongs and lots of batawangs. Uh, I thought the bat pole was funny just because of that campy show back when I was a kid. Absolutely, mm-hmm. the boy wonder was just funny. Go. This dude Bo Melvin wrote just the bat, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I think this is both your personal favorite and and could be my personal favorite. She's one of the one of the contributors. To uh, the website, she's a phenomenal. She's a great stand-up. Uh, uh, Tracy Skeen, very funny stand-up. If you ever get a chance to see her live show, you need to go do it. She'll occasionally write stuff for the Loftus Party, and and she wrote something, and I'm paraphrasing here. She's like, "Well, if he's not circumcised, they should call it the Caped Crusader." Uh, I know. I cried when great. I read that. That was great, and <laughs> man, oh man. That makes it all uh, – yes, it's a dick joke, but I do not care. It's all wonderful. Okay, segueing from Batman. This is me being professional radio guy. Joaquin Phoenix, they put out some uh, some photographs of, of his Joker. And at first, when I first saw it, it, it looked like a, a camera test. Uh, it looks like a camera test of like, oh, we're going to see what the makeup looks like. And I'm like, oh, this is very interesting. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor. That dude is a fine, fine actor. So I'm like, I'm all in. I'm all in on this. Then today, as we record the show, they show actual uh, footage of the movie being made. And it looks like it's the same makeup from from, uh, the camera test. Like this is the makeup they're going with. And it's just – it's a little too clowny for me. It's a little too – I'm not I'm not creeped out by it. It looks to me in a weird way jokey. Uh, I'm bummed out. I'm bummed out. I was very, it, very high on this movie. And it, now all of a sudden I'm like, Ugh. my personal thought is it looks like they took Stephen King's it and threw water on it. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it looks, I, I just it looks a little bit too, too much like it. And I know that's supposed to be creepy. Uh, and, and like a little bit of John Wayne Gacy in his clown makeup. And I know that's yeah, supposed to be creepy. No. It just, it looks a little bit too, uh, circus E to me. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's not doing it. It ain't doing it. Jack Nicholson is my Joker. Sorry. Oh no. Too fat. Too fat. As far as the attitude though, come on. He was good. He was good. Here is a, uh, I'll tell this little story really quickly. Uh, but I mean, he's supposed to have green hair. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's always had Listen, green hair. I like different takes. I like, uh, I got, I don't think he, I don't think it was Oscar worthy, but like Heath Ledger's Batman or, or Joker was very interesting. I also like Jared Leto's. A lot of people, uh, take a dump all over Jared Leto's, uh, Joker. I thought that I, that's, I would like to see that movie. I would like to see Jared Leto's Joker, uh, with, uh, Harley Quinn. 
make that movie. Supposedly they were going to. I think they might they might uh, put it on the back burner now with Joaquin Phoenix. Hopefully we'll all be hopefully we will all be uh, surprised. But here's a little backstory to the Jack Nicholson thing. Uh, Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. So, t- so Tim Burton's going to make Batman and they've been mm-hmm. trying to make this movie. They've been trying to make this movie for a super long time. And, and, uh, they, they finally get uh, Tim Burton to direct it. And Warner brothers is happy because finally someone is going to do a quote unquote dark version of Batman. Mm-hmm. So he wants to have Michael Keaton play, uh, Batman. And the studio is like, mm, not so much. He goes, well, I want Michael Keaton to be Batman and I want, uh, Robin Williams to be the Joker. Oh, that would have been good. And so the studio goes, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. If you, if you take Robin Williams uh, to be the Joker, we can't give you Michael Keaton as Batman. And Tim Burton, having worked with Keaton before on Beetlejuice and just thinking he was wonderful and he could do it, he can do it, just have a little faith. Uh, he decided instead to, okay, I'll let you uh, I'll let you do – give me Michael Keaton – and I will let you cast someone else as the Joker. And then the studio, mm-hmm. they said they wanted the big box office, so they they took uh, Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And Jack Nicholson was not into it at all. He was not into it at all. And uh, Nicholson said, if I'm going to do this, I need 10% of everything. So he got <laughs> – and they gave it to him. 10% of the toys, 10% of the movie gross – 10% of the games, 10% of everything. And then, of course, in typical uh, movie studio f- uh, fashion, when the, when the movie was a runaway success, uh, uh, Nicholson's like, well, where's my money? And they're like, we, we actually lost money. Like, yeah, sure you did. But old Jack sued him, and he made out like a bandit. Right. He made out like a bandit. Okay, this is another great one. Well, like, you might go ahead. I was just going to ask you, because you mentioned your blog on Captain Marvel. I, yeah. I'm not there. I'm Me a neither. little bit disturbed by this last minute drop in. I really am. I, I am. I, it took me three movies to care about care about Blue and Purple Girl. Yes. Like I couldn't stand her going into Infinity War. And now I kind of like her. I'm a little bit emotionally attached. There is no way I'm going <clears> to <throat> get emotionally attached to this character in one movie. And it just feels like a put on. You're a writer. You're you're talking like a like an absolute writer there. I, I don't want to. We've been on this journey with these characters for all these movies, and now you're gonna you're gonna what? Captain Marvel's gonna show up, and she's are you setting her up to be the big hero in Avengers uh, four or whatever? Sure no. looks like it. They better not. They better not. There will be a great weeping and gnashing of teeth. And At I know least people on this who podcast. <laughs> well, ev- everyone can see it coming. If you go to the Loftus Party Facebook page, uh, there was a girl. I, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but sh- she's like, oh, in the comic books, Captain Marvel, she's the one. She's the only one that can do it. And I go, yes, I know that's the canon of the comic book, and I know that's what everything says, but you can't do that to me now. It's 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 bait and switch at this point. She can be part of the team. She can help them out, but uh, if – ooh, I don't want – Captain Marvel should not be the one to kill Thanos unless something unless who knows like I'm all judgy judgy now it's like I'm I'm such a geek like this Captain Marvel might be the best movie in the history of movies I don't want to judge too harshly that trailer was just bleh the trailer was bleh the only thing I was happy about and you know this because I'm just weird is Coulson's in it and I love his character so um I'm like oh Phil yay that was the only thing I that was the only thing I uh I got really excited about everything else looks really 
um, meshed together. It, it looks like something you've seen before. Flashback, flashback ridden. Like, I, I, I don't yeah. know, but I am, I'm super, super not happy about drop it. I mean, literally, if they had done her movie, like maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe then you could have dropped her in and it, it, it would have made sense, but there's no way you're going to get me to love her in one movie the way that I love those other characters. It's just not going to happen. I'm hoping that the next trailer is better. I'm hoping that there's more surprises to be had and there's there's more meat on the bone, blah, blah, blah. But it just goes to show you, I, I can go either way. I was excited about Joker. Now so much. Not excited about Marvel. Maybe the next one, uh, Miss Marvel. Maybe uh, the next one I will be. I tell you what, I was super excited about Venom. And then with this last trailer, I'm like, what? So it happens. Okay. Uh, we got to get out of here. It's it's so much show. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I wanted to get into my uh, slutty. I'll, I'll, I'll reduce it. I'll reduce my You'll argument. Reduce to this. Okay. Uh, the slutty handmaiden costume. Uh, this company came it out. Wasn't it wasn't even that slutty. I know. It's like you're wearing <laughs> a giant set of drapes down your back and just some sh- not even short shorts. It was not slutty at all. Mm-hmm. And and people are up in arms. And of course, the company Yandy.com, they folded and then and which begs the thing like, OK, so the, the handmaiden, that's completely fictional. That's completely fictional. These people aren't real. I know that they're a symbol of blah, blah, blah in the book, but I don't give a crap. I don't give a crap. You cannot. The irony is it's about oppression of women and not allowing them choices. So really, all you feminazis and freaking Victorian people, you're just telling other women they can't choose to make fun of it. Exactly. Or treat so it's the characters like, differently. That's just ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous. Uh, and in the meantime, you can go be a uh, a sexy nun. You can be a slutty nurse. You can be a slutty schoolgirl. Like the real like, – no one cares about the real – and listen, I don't you care about any want. of it. Like if you want to be a slutty baked potato, go for it. Like you be your I, slutty self. Get you your know, freak on. You it's it's so funny to, to like you're trying to jump I, in. What do you got? I want like a couple of knockouts like Kimberly Guilfoyle, women that look like that, to get that slutty handmade costume and go protest for Kavanaugh during the vote. That would be fantastic. <laughs> this is why you need to learn yes. Photoshop. We have to put Kimberly <laughs> Guilfoyle's head on oh. the slutty handmaiden. Okay, that's the show. Big, big thanks to Andrew Clavin for joining us. Uh, go to theloftestparty.com, join in on the conversation, and listen. Oh, this is just like a little dire warning before we leave. Uh, the algorithm has kicked in once again. Uh, Facebook is dialing it down. YouTube is dialing it down. So we really do appreciate you leaving feedback, leaving comments, uh, giving us a nice Sharing. rating on uh, on iTunes. Yeah, and share Share, share, share your slutty little handmaiden asses off. All right, you guys. We'll see you next time on The Loftus Party. Party.